If you've ever played in a sports tournament, you may understand how the bracket system works. They line up the different teams that are playing, and you play another team. And if you win your game, you play another team who won their game. And you continue in, you continue in the winner's bracket. But if you lose your game, you drop down into the loser's bracket. The first and second place team at the end of the championship play for the championship and the third and fourth place team coming out of the losers bracket eventually play for third place which is the the consolation game the the consolation from the consolation bracket if we think of the word consolation in terms of losers bracket we will miss the entire point of the passage of scripture we read today Consolation means there has been a loss, a lack of something, but present and future events will more than make up for the loss. Consolation means hope. Consolation means hope. This is Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 25. And I would invite you to stand for the reading of the gospel of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Luke 2:25 Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout he was waiting for the consolation of Israel and the holy spirit was on him it had been revealed to him by the holy spirit that he would not die before he had seen the lord's messiah moved by the spirit he went into the temple courts when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. There was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Penuel of the tribe of Asher, she was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at their, that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Simeon is identified as the best the Old Covenant has to offer. He wasn't a part of the Jewish nation just by racial identity alone. He was one of the select few upon whom the Holy Spirit rested. Under the Old Covenant, for the most part, the giving of the Holy Spirit was limited to prophets, sometimes kings and judges, 
John the Baptist is said to possess the spirit from birth. And the Holy Spirit had made an individual promise to Simeon. Simeon was going to be a witness. He would see something for which the whole nation of Israel was looking. The nation was looking for the consolation of Israel. This was an informal title of Messiah. The Holy Spirit whispered into Simeon's ear, you will see God's Messiah before you die. I've been wondering what that message, when it was delivered, did for Simeon. How did the promise of God that Simeon would see the Messiah before he died change Simeon's life? The passage tells us he was devout. He said his daily prayers, worshiped in the temple, did alms, gave tithes and offerings. All of those things would have been included in the definition of devout. But then one day, moved by the Holy Spirit, he is led to the temple. What does it mean to be led by or moved by the Holy Spirit? I don't think you can be led by or moved by the Holy Spirit unless you are already in step with the Spirit. There's, there's an everydayness about that. Attentive to the Spirit, listening to the Spirit, anticipating that the Spirit will speak day after day after day. I think this happens for me when I'm frequently, regularly in the Word of God. Reading Scripture is one way of saying to God, I am listening, paying attention. I think another way this happens is when I immerse myself in worship. Candidly, I am by nature uh, something of a malcontent. I don't naturally, on my own, think happy, positive thoughts. That means, frequently, if I am going to be a continual worshiper, I will need to be led into worship. And so the question, what leads me or what leads you into worship is important. And I got to tell you, the first thing that leads me to worship is my hymnal. And I'm not talking about the book. I'm talking about the hymnal that is on my phone and on my computer, selected songs that take me to where I want to live, where I want to be. These songs make me pay attention. These songs shape my thoughts. These songs lead me to worship and help to create a different reality for me. If you have a smartphone, you ought to have a hymnal of your own. If you have a phone that plays music or any other device, you ought to have a hymnal of your own. If you have a car that plays CDs, you can burn a hymnal of your own onto the CDs. If you have a CD player in your home, you ought to have a hymnal of your own. If you need help creating a hymnal, ask one of our high school or college students. They will help you. And the hymnal will help you stay continually present to God in a posture of listening to the Holy Spirit. Simeon didn't have any of those helps. And I wonder how he felt that morning. Simeon, was, was his pulse racing? The scripture doesn't say that the Spirit told him what he would see in the temple. The Spirit simply said to Simeon, get to the temple. Maybe Simeon put two and two together. Uh, I've been promised and, and now I'm off running. 
What could be happening in the temple on an afternoon like this one? Baby dedications, ritual purification rites. Why would the spirit want me to witness those? And then maybe a light begins to dawn. Could it be? Could this leading of the spirit and the promise that I've already received be converging? We still sing these words today. The hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. Simeon sees the consolation of Israel. What does that mean? The history of Israel is filled with both the promise of God and the judgment of God, with glory and with magnificent failure. The people believed they were destined for more than just subjugation to the Roman authorities. Israel believed they were destined for greatness and that the promises to Abraham, made to Abraham and to all the patriarchs and to David, that, that through them all nations of the world will be blessed, that God would indeed fulfill that promise. This is the hope of Israel. All of their suffering, all of their trials, all of that will find meaning in this great gift to the world that Israel brings to us. Through Israel, Messiah comes. He is the fulfillment of all their hopes and dreams. He is the response to their waywardness and their inability to follow the law. He is the redemption of the past. He is hope for the future, all rolled up into one person, Messiah, Jesus. Anna, a devout woman who is constantly worshiping, we're told, looks on and she sees the very same thing that Simeon sees. These two old folks are enabled by the Spirit of God to look past the cute, cuddly exterior of a human baby and see God at work even more than usual. I mean, if we're honest, we have to admit, every time we look into a baby's eyes, we see God at work. It doesn't matter what circumstances accompany the birth of the child. Every child is a gift from God. But these two holy people, Simeon and Anna, look far past the holy exterior and report news that is almost too wonderful to believe. Anna, we're told, goes to her friends, the ones who share her desire to see the coming Messiah, the ones who are actively watching and listening, and Anna reports the news. I have seen him. Messiah has arrived. He is here. How does she know? How does she see past external things? Jesus has not exhibited any Messiah-like qualities at this point yet. This news is revealed to the eyes of the Spirit by the revelation of God. Did you know both of those things are available to you this morning? the ability to have the eyes of the Spirit and the ability to receive the revelation of God in your very heart. 
I don't know what hopes and fears occupy the center of your thoughts this morning. You may anticipate some really difficult things in the year ahead. Perhaps your health is already failing and the prospects aren't good. Or maybe your children are on a downward slope and you are fretful about what may happen. Consequences seem inevitable. Or maybe there's a manager's position available where you work and you're hoping to be considered for it. Or, or maybe there are new opportunities on the horizon. Whatever your hopes and dreams, I would encourage you to meet them in the way Anna and Simeon have demonstrated. Both of them awake to the leading of the Holy Spirit and counter Messiah, and in him find reason to be at peace. Messiah has come. His kingdom is present. If we, by staying aware of his presence, can walk in the light of God, I have a feeling that we can know the peace that infused the hearts of Anna and Simeon in that day. Jesus is Israel's consolation. He is the fulfillment of not only their hopes and dreams, but also the fulfillment of all their hopes and fears and turmoil as well. He embraces their trouble, helps them to find meaning in the midst of it, and forward motion past it. But Jesus is our consolation as well. He is the fulfillment of all of our aspirations, and he helps us to find meaning and progress in our suffering and helps us to move forward through it. The consolation bracket is not the loser's bracket. Jesus is the consolation, the fulfillment of all our hopes and fears. This is Romans 8, 18. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we have been saved. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? No. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Jesus is our consolation. Through him, we have victory. I encourage you, listen Listen with ears tuned by scripture and worship 
so that you can see with the eyes of the Spirit the revelation of God for you so that the hope of Israel will be your, our hope together because Jesus is our hope and nothing separates us from him. Let's pray together. Gracious Jesus, by your spirit, never permit us to lose hope. Focus our eyesight perfectly on you, Lord Christ, the author and the perfecter of our race. You're the one who for the joy set before him scorned the cross that we might be one with you, raised to life in you. And we pray that your joy would be our joy in these days because you are our hope. May we not only know this, Lord, but may this knowledge sink deeply into our hearts that it may change the way we live each day. To your glory we pray. Amen. I remind you of this this morning. Many folks, given the, the general feeling of gloom that pervades our society today, find it easy to lose hope. But losing hope is something I think we ought to confess to the Father. Because it means somehow we have forgotten who he is. Because he is as good as his word and his promises have not changed. And if we've lost hope, we've lost sight of who he is. And so we ought to confess that loss of hope and invite his spirit to invigorate us so that we can be prisoners of hope again. We should be the folks with such radical optimism because of the blessing of God in our lives that we can't escape hope. That's who we ought to be. And so I would invite you as we pray this closing prayer to invite the Spirit to, to renew your hope, to believe that all of the promises of his word are true, and to trust him because he alone is worthy. Amen. For you alone are worthy. For you alone are worthy. For you alone are worthy. Christ the Lord. And now may the God of hope bring you peace and joy in the days ahead as you live in step with the Spirit to his glory now and forever. Amen.